Please turn to Colossians chapter 2. Now, in the, in the church here, we tend to work in academic years, meaning to say that the beginning of the year is sort of September, October, but we also have the calendar year, so that gives us an opportunity to think about a, a new year yet again. And I thought what we would do for these next two or three Sunday mornings is take the opportunity to go back to some basic things as we set out on a new year, just to encourage us and to remind us of some fundamental, important things. And I've given it the general title, Living and Growing in the Christian Life. Living and Growing in the Christian Life. And just by way of explanation, I don't have very many visuals this morning, just have one sheet, which is mostly the headings of what I'm going to say. Uh, living and growing in the Christian life. Uh, living in the Christian life, staying alive in the Christian life, uh, keeping going in the Christian life, I think that is a good thing to consider. Uh, is that an issue? Well, yes it is, because I can see many people wiser and stronger and more gifted than myself that have wobbled and stumbled and tripped over in the Christian life so just keeping on going is a, a worthwhile issue for us to think about and growing as a Christian growing as a Christian is that an issue? well yes it is because God's aim in making people Christians is not just uh, numbers God isn't simply concerned that he could say there are X thousand people in Brighton who have become a Christian become Christians. It isn't just the numbers but the type of people they are becoming. God is very interested in the sort of people we are and the sort of people we are turning into. So we could say very simply, are we becoming more like Jesus Christ? So it's not only keeping going, but it is growing, being changed, transformation. Another way the Bible puts it is the fruit of the Spirit. Another idea from horticulture, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control, faithfulness. Jesus said, I've appointed you to bear much fruit. So growing in 2013, shall we be growing in the Christian life? And you might say, well, the Christian life is all to do with God's grace, so can't I just leave that whole matter to God? To which I reply, it is God's grace, but that doesn't mean that living and growing is something that happens on automatic. Salvation is the work of God. He gets a hundred percent of the credit. He chooses people entirely at his own pleasure. He brings people to repentance and faith as he sees fit. It's Jesus who died on the cross 
for our salvation. We don't contribute to that. He is the one who works to transform us into the likeness of his Son. It's God, by his grace, who keeps us and brings us safe home to glory. This is all the work of God. But it would be a great mistake for us to think that the Christian life is a spectator sport. In a spectator sport, you just sit and watch, and somebody else does all the hard work, and you might cheer them at the end. The Christian life is not a spectator sport, where we just sit and watch God run the race for us. It isn't like that, because one of the things God is intending to achieve is to make people to have children who are like him, that they are involved in his purposes. He wants us, he wants that involvement to be part of our character and makeup. So it doesn't happen just automatically. The Bible tells us to get involved actively and responsibly in living and growing in the Christian life. So, Let's think about this with Colossians 2 as our starting point. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Now, do you see that in your Bible there? Have you got a Bible you can look across at if you haven't got one yourself? Now then, let's make sure that we know what this text says. So I invite us, please, to read out loud Colossians 2, verse 6. Reading it out loud together, I mean... This is what it says. Ready? Together. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now that's pretty much what we're going to look at this morning, which says, what have I put? As you received... Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to live in him, rooted and established in, in him, etc. And it goes on in verse 8 to say, it doesn't happen automatically, you've got to see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend on human tradition and on the basic principles of this world, rather than Christ. So he's saying that it doesn't just happen automatically, there are other ways of thinking and living, and you have to be careful that you don't get caught up in them. Now then, I suggest that we look at it, or we notice that there are basically two things here. There is something about the past. Do you notice there's a past tense? You received Christ as Lord. Uh, another past tense, it says, as you were taught. And then there's a present, it says, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. I suppose that's past, isn't it? Rooted and built, rooted and built up is past. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, that's past. There's past and present, and we'll try and consider those together. Uh, there's, a, there's past and present and there is also that warning, though we won't look so much at the warning. So let's, let's, it's a very straightforward text. Um, 
let's ask it a couple of questions, and that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's ask it a question about what does it say about the past? We'll ask it what it says about the past or what it says about the present. What does it say about the past? The past. How you became a Christian. He says, first of all, look back on what happened in the past as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to live in him. Now, what happened in the past connects up exactly with how you're going to live in the present. So if you're going to live and grow in Christ, you've got to keep that connection between what happened and how you're living now. So we're going to look back at how what he says about the past. He says, what happened? Well, basically he says, you received Christ Jesus as Lord. What happened when you became a Christian? You received Christ Jesus as Lord. So let's ponder that just for a moment. He says that when you became a Christian, you had a new relationship, or perhaps a set of new relationships, with Jesus Christ. That's what he refers back to. He says, what happened? You received Christ Jesus as Lord. That's what happened when you became a Christian. Now, he could have said lots of things, and in other places he does say different things. But I think it's worth pondering what he does not say. He does not say, well, you guys, I know you've always really been Christians. He doesn't say that. And I don't think he would consider saying that. He says, you weren't Christians, and then there came a time when you received Christ Jesus as Lord. That's when you became a Christian. So he doesn't say, all you guys, I know you've been Christians, uh, you've always been Christians. That thought is more to do with nominal Christianity. The idea that if you are English, if you are born English, you are born Church of England. Or if you are born Greek, you are born Greek Orthodox. Every country has its own sort of nominal form of Christianity. Uh, Scottish nominal Christianity is Presbyterianism. African nominal Christianity is Pentecostalism. You don't become a Christian just by being born in a certain country from certain parents. You become a Christian by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. What else doesn't he say? Well, he doesn't say, I want you to look back on the amazing experience you had when uh, you were overwhelmed with such and such an emotion. Now, he could have said that, and there are, uh, to be sure, um, realities of the emotional experience involved with becoming a Christian, but he doesn't choose to put his finger on that point. He says, what happened when you became a Christian was you received Jesus Christ as Lord, and that is a good focus to have in understanding your own spiritual life. Could you say, there was a time, maybe I can or cannot identify it, but 
before that I had not received Jesus Christ as Lord and at some point I can say I, I did or I must have I received Jesus Christ as Lord that's becoming a Christian another thing he doesn't say was he doesn't say you turned over a new leaf in your behaviour now certainly when Christ, people become a Christians, their behaviour does change but he doesn't try to put his finger simply on your relationship to rules he doesn't say remember the time when you stopped smoking he doesn't put it that way or remember the time when you gave up I don't know going to the cinema or something like that he doesn't say that's the way to think about the big change that happened that's the way to think about your identity as a Christian what he says is there was a time when you received Jesus Christ as Lord that's what it was to become a Christian you see he's relating it to the person of Jesus Christ so I ask that question of all of us as we think about living and growing in the Christian life can we look back and understand a time and a point where we received Jesus Christ perhaps you haven't yet done that perhaps you're trying to live the Christian life without starting at the beginning and if so that's the business that you want to be about you want to be about saying Lord Jesus how can I receive you as Lord okay that was my it's a relationship with Jesus Christ let's ponder this word receive it's a rather attractive word to receive Jesus Christ as Lord I don't know about you over the Christmas period lots of things came to the door from Amazon and eBay and you get the postman comes along I think it always was a postman that doesn't have to be a postman but anyway uh, and they give you this uh, they give you the package would you like to receive this and you say oh it looks really interesting this is obviously the 97 inch television that I've been expecting and they give you this little machine have you seen this little machine it is a special machine which takes a person with adult abilities in writing and turns them into a three-year-old child have you noticed that's what it does you, you, you take your best writing and it looks as though you can't hardly read or write anyway that's what but what they're saying is will you receive this parcel now, it doesn't, they, they're asking you to do something that you're willing to do you could say I don't want this I don't want this I never asked for this nothing to do with me don't pin this one on me you know whatever it might be set of deck chairs flimsily wrapped I never asked for those take them away he says do you want to receive this and as you sign there's a certain sort of anticipation you say yes I'm looking forward to opening this is that my signature anyway you're receiving it and Jesus Christ comes to us and we are to receive him and there's a certain sort of voluntariness about it he's as it were knocks at the door and says will you receive me uh, he doesn't say I'm gonna push my way in I'm gonna demand that I'm here whether you want me or not it just doesn't work like that 
he says, will you receive me? And I wonder whether you have ever, as it were, gone to the door and said, yes, I will. As Jesus offers himself, you said, perhaps, no, I don't want you, nothing to do with me, go away. Or whether you've said, yes, come in. Definitely, I am willing and glad to receive you. I do not reject you, but receive you. So receiving is part of that. Let's think a little bit more about who is being received. He says, I want, uh, you received Christ Jesus as Lord. We'll come to the Lord bit in a moment, but let's think of the Christ bit. The Christ that Paul describes is the Christ who died on the cross for our salvation. There isn't any other Jesus Christ. He doesn't say it in that text, but he does say it, he's been speaking that way all along. If you care to look back to chapter 1, verse 14, he talks about Jesus, the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is the one who brings redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And in verse, chapter 1, verse 20, he talks about Jesus Christ. He says he was making peace, end of verse 20, through his blood shed on the cross. That's the Jesus Christ who we're talking about, the one who shed his blood and made peace through doing so. In 124, he talks about the suffering of Christ. Uh, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Now, uh, whatever else he's saying there, he's saying that Christ suffered. The Christ he's talking about suffered on the cross, died on the cross. In chapter 2, verse 13, he talks about uh, when you were dead in your sins, it goes on to say, he forgave us all our sins having cancelled the written code with its regulations that stood against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. He says that this is the Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He brings redemption. He brings forgiveness. He um, cancels the accusations that are against us. This is the Jesus Christ whom we receive. You see, he's saying when you receive Jesus Christ, he's saying receive Jesus Christ, as Calvin would have put it, clothed in all his promises. All the things that are to do with Jesus, all that he achieved, all that he offers, all that he brings, when you receive Christ Jesus, you receive the whole package. You receive him and all that he brings with us. And that's very important because when we first came to Christ we came needing forgiveness and valuing forgiveness and experiencing forgiveness and when that first comes I mean people are all wired up different people's situations are different but that initial understanding of forgiveness can be immensely powerful. That all the guilt, 
all the burden, all the stain gone, removed. The burden gone, the sense of being all screwed up and tightened up, released, the sense of stain cleansed. Uh, that's how you received Jesus Christ and all that he brings. And I think one thing he's saying is, you've got to continue in that. You won't keep on and you won't grow as a Christian if you leave that idea behind. He says, as you received him, continue to live. And uh, 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 an important part of the way we live and grow as Christians is to keep on being conscious of our sin and to keep on coming back to Jesus Christ for cleansing and to keep on remembering the wonder, the value, the glory, the grace of being forgiven. So we receive Jesus Christ who died on the cross. And furthermore, he says, you received Christ Jesus as Lord. The way the translation operates there, it seems to put quite an emphasis on that. How did you receive Christ Jesus? Well, you received him as Lord. I venture to suggest it probably overemphasizes that, but it's certainly there. Who did you receive? You received the Saviour. Who did you receive? You received the Lord. And that is how you started the Christian life, if indeed you started it. And I want to ponder that just for a moment. What does it mean for Jesus Christ to be Lord? Well, it means that I am saying to Jesus Christ, whatever you say, whatever you want, I will fall in with that. You are in charge. Whatever you tell me to do, I will, I will do it as you help me, but it's my job to do it. Whatever you tell me, I'll believe it. Whatever you ask of me, I will give it, because you are Lord. And it may well be that when you received Jesus Christ as Lord, that that was actually taking a huge step, because it is a huge step. Because as, as human beings, we naturally want to hold on to our lives ourselves, and come out, make our own minds up about things and to have Jesus Christ as Lord means in every way to say no to that. We say no to ourselves but we don't say no to the Lord. Uh, there's uh, actually points in the Bible where, some, where Jesus says something to somebody I think Peter's an example of this and he says no Lord remember that where Jesus says um, no, which bit is it where he says that he's going to the son of man must suffer many things and then Peter says no Lord it might be I was thinking of the bit earlier on where um, uh, he says who, who, who do people say the son of man is and he's the Christ and then he says the Christ must suffer I think it's there that he says no Lord but I'm sure there are more than one occasion. But if you just think about it, you can't put those two words together, can you? Not really. You can't put those two words together. 
because it doesn't make sense if he's Lord you can't say no to him and I know this is a very simple point but it's very well worth reminding ourselves of that's how we started the Christian life if indeed you have started the Christian life by saying yes to the Lord and if you've never done so now's the time to do it uh, well actually it, 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 won't take you, it won't take you a moment it will take you quite a while to work out what that means because you're saying to the Lord just everything in my life all the things that I'm conscious of at the moment and then all the things that I might like to think about a little bit further my hopes my relationships my plans my fears my desires all of that all of it comes under the Lordship of Jesus Christ uh, that's what it takes when you become a Christian and if we're going to live and grow as Christians we need to continue in that exact position and uh, maybe it's just me but I don't think that that's a trivial point I think that the the issues that we might have faced when we first came to Christ and we said yes the Lord is Lord over all of that I think issues move on um, if you came to Christ when you were younger you probably were penniless so lordship over the £2.50 that you had was a fairly trivial matter but now you're older you might have a lot more than £2.50 and Christ is to be lord over an area of life which has changed and so on as you received Christ Jesus as Lord so continue to live in him the Lordship of Jesus Christ and one other point on this he says you received Christ Jesus as Lord how did you receive him it says at, towards the end of the verse uh, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and again I think he is referring back isn't he he's saying you became a Christian through being taught and the teaching brought you to faith and that's what it was all about you responded in faith to the things you were taught and I just pause to say maybe as you're sitting listening you're thinking well I haven't even started and you, where do I start and here's a starting point it is the things that you are taught and whether you're going to receive them in faith let me give you some examples so uh, we're taught that God about God that God is our maker and our sustainer and he is in charge of everything and we're taught that and in faith we might say yes I'll accept that yes I believe in God and then we're taught about Jesus Christ we're taught that uh, he died on the cross for our forgiveness for our redemption for our salvation and we might say yes I've been taught that I don't disagree with that I accept that and believe that and 
we might, uh, we've been taught about Jesus rising from the dead and as it says here he's seated at the right hand of God and we're taught that and we might say that's a very marvellous thing to say about Jesus but I don't disbelieve it, I believe that that's what I've been taught, it's there in the Bible and I, I, I've been taught that and I believe it and then you might be taught or ought to be taught about the cleansing that he offers to sinners and then it becomes a little bit more near to home to start to believe that because what you're saying is that I, I accept that I'm a sinner and I accept that I need Jesus Christ as my saviour and when he says he offers himself to me for me to receive him I'm going to say yes to that and I'm going to trust my soul my eternal well-being all that I am I'm going to entrust that all to him and you've been taught it and faith is not just believing something to be true but it's actually it has a bit of commitment in it doesn't it say so yes I I will go for that I will accept the repercussions of that I'll live my life on the basis of that and then as we've just said we're taught about his lordship we're taught that if we're to relate to him we must be his servants and he is our master and we respond in faith and we say yes Lord that's what I want it to be now all those things the faith that you've been taught those things that you say a wholehearted yes to that is um, what he says happened and again I say if you if you never got to that starting point well that's where you start you take on board the things that are taught and you say yes in faith to them and please don't think that those are trivial things to say yes to you need to do real heart business with God to be able to say yes to all those things and if you've never done so please do so so that was the past let's look at the present as you received Christ Jesus as Lord so continue to live in him now in actually in literally in the original it says so walk in him which is another rather nice picture I rather like the Bible idea of walking I like walking it's rather nice to walk with somebody because of the companionship you have on the way and uh, the idea that it doesn't involve all the effort of running and sprinting um, jarring your knees and all that sort of thing it's just walking as you received Christ Jesus as Lord so walk in him and let's have a little look just for a few moments at what he says about this so this is the the soil in which we grow uh, and he actually says what does he say he says rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught I'll just stick to those bits this is the soil in which the Christian life grows and just as you can't really plant seeds in muesli you can't grow the Christian life in any other soil than this and this the this is really Jesus Christ let's look at the things that he says number one rooted 
rooted in him. Rooted is an idea from horticulture. Is that the right word, horticulture? Growing plants? Yeah, I think horticulture. And, and, and a root, and that's the word he uses, rizzo, which I think you get a rhizome. Is rhizome a technical word for a, a root in English? May or may not be. Um, he, he uses, he's actually using this idea of a root. And what is a root? It's a place where a plant is anchored. So when you were a child, did you grow, um, what are they, those beans? Uh, put them on blotting paper. Do you do this, Matthew? Did you grow a bean? And then you see the little root going down, little shoot going up? No. This is an honest answer. Anybody ever done that sort of thing? Yes, I've done that. And of course the temptation is to see whether it's growing and you, and you pick it out and, and you destroy the root. It's important for the root to go down and, and that's how the plant grows. In, uh, interestingly, uh, the idea is used in the Psalms. There's a, the idea is used, although not the word, uh, where it says in the first Psalm, I'm sure I have got Psalms in my Bible, Yes, it had just moved into the wrong place. Uh, the man who meditates in the law of the Lord is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. That's the idea. It doesn't say root, but it's the idea, isn't it? If you put a tree by streams of water, it's good for the roots, isn't it? It's good for the roots because the roots can draw up all the um, nutrients and all the sustenance from, uh, from the, 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 the damp ground where it's been planted. Jesus used the idea of root, didn't he? If I can, no, I didn't write the reference. Remember we're talking about the seeds that were sown in different, different places? and there was seed sown on rocky ground. Do you remember that? I th I'm sure I wrote this down, but I can't find it. Uh, on the rocky ground, the seed lands on the rocky ground, it springs up straight away, but when the sun comes out, it shrivels up. Because, do you remember the because of this? Because it has no root. Because it has no root. It dies. And Jesus compares that with the Christian life and he says this is like people who hear the word with great joy but when persecution comes or affliction or it gets tough and difficult they fall away because they have no root. The importance of roots in the Christian life. And our roots, according to this, are to be in Jesus Christ. Where are your roots? Where do you draw your sustenance from? Um, because the, the Bible is saying if you want to live and grow as a Christian, your root needs to be Jesus Christ. And in Colossians, that is one of the things that he's trying to teach them about. Um, because as I mentioned before, there are other places you can put your roots in chapter 2 verse 8 he talks about the basic principles of this world the things that everybody says well everybody knows that 
Everybody knows if you can, well, all sorts of things everybody knows, which aren't to do with Jesus Christ. And he says, if you put your roots in what everybody knows and everybody else does, you won't live and grow as a Christian. You need to put your roots down in Jesus Christ. Or uh, he also, in chapter 2, verse 19, he talks about people whose religious life is all to do with the worship of angels. So he talks about that in uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 18. They worship angels, go into great details of all the wonderful things they've seen. He says, but this person, that's where he's rooted in all that sort of stuff, his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head. He's lost connection with Jesus Christ. Because that's where your roots ought to be. I can think of lots of ways uh, that we, we grow our, take our sustenance. And he says, make sure that of all those ways, actually, your roots are in Jesus Christ. Second thing that he says is foundation. Now the word in, is translated built up in him. And I looked it up. The word is made up of a couple of things. It means upon and then it's a word for housing or how you build houses. So I would suggest, and it, it, it's a suggestion, and I could be wrong, I won't go to the stake for getting this right or wrong, but if we invented a word, because you can always invent words, and you can invent words, nowadays people do a lot of words that are nouns that become verbs. They do. Um, I'll try not to think of any examples. I'm going to make one up like this. Foundation turned into a verb. Foundationed. Foundationed in Jesus Christ. Rooted in Christ and foundationed in Jesus Christ. Uh, that idea of foundation. And there's this other word, strengthened, which I've missed out in my notes, but I looked this up. Strengthened is a word which... It's not to do with <coughs> strength like that. It's to do with certainty and being anchored firmly somewhere, confirmed, that sort of thing. Can I think of another word for that? Confirmed, established, mm, run out of ideas on that. But uh, So let's put those two together, foundationed in Jesus Christ confirmed in Jesus Christ oh I know what I was going to say yeah that confirmed word is made up of several words and if you trace them back it actually comes to the word foot it's rather odd and here's a suggestion it's not a scientific accurate thing but if we were to think of what gives you a solid footing what gives you something firm ground under your feet that would be the right sort of idea and he says foundationed in Jesus Christ with your footings in Jesus Christ with Jesus Christ putting the solid ground under your feet that idea he says that's how you live and grow as a Christian rooted 
and built up on him. And that's a picture that Jesus himself uses, not quite in the same way, but I think that was, will be familiar to you. Um, two men building two houses, one house built on sand, the other house built on rock, and he says this is the way life is, sooner or later the winds come, the rains come, the storm comes and beats upon the house, uh, at some point or another, we'll all have that on our, on our lives, things that come, and one house falls over, the other house stands firm, and which one's which? Which one falls over and which one stays firm? The house on the sand falls down and the house on the rock stays firm. And it's to do with foundations, isn't it? It's to do, not, not to do with the house building, but what you build on. The foundation. And he's saying, uh, he's saying here that Jesus Christ is the foundation for us to build our lives on. As you receive Jesus Christ and you started building on him, so continue to build your life on him. There are all sorts of things offered to us as the foundations that we need for our lives. I don't know, have you ever thought, caught yourself thinking things like this? I would be able to live and grow as a Christian if only I had a foundation of a decent job with a decent salary, then I would be okay. And the Bible says that's not the foundation to build your life on. Jesus is the foundation. You live and grow with Jesus as the foundation. Have you ever caught yourself saying, or having said, if only, if only I could get the right man stroke woman to marry me, then my life would be sorted out and I'd be able to live and grow as a Christian. And the Bible says it's a great gift to have the right man or woman to, to be married to, but that's not the foundation that you build your life on. Because Jesus is the foundation you build your life on. Have you ever caught yourself saying, if only I had, well, fill in the blanks, if only I had a nice family like other people, then I could live the Christian life. And Jesus says, that's actually not the issue. The issue is Jesus Christ as the root and the foundation. If only I had decent health, then I'd be able to serve the Lord. And, the, and he says, no, that's not the key issue. The key issue is whether Jesus Christ is the root that you draw from and the foundation that you build on. Nothing else is adequate to build our lives on. Nothing else is adequate to, for us to live and grow in the Christian life. And that is what we have been thinking about this morning, which is summarized exactly in the words of Paul. As you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith 
as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's sing together. <laughs>